Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this Easter Sunday to get to come together, Father, and worship you and fellowship you, Father. We thank you and praise you for your word. We pray now that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So uh, this lady was getting on the bus in the morning, and the bus driver stopped her and said, Lady, that is the ugliest baby I have ever seen in my entire life. And she stomps to the back of the bus, and she is just furious. And the guy beside her notices that she's mad, and he's like, Lady, are you okay? He said, she said, no, I am, I am very upset with that bus driver, and I got half a mind to go up there and tell him what I think. And he said, well, hand me the little gremlin and go for it. <laughs> That's it. It wasn't here. It wasn't from here. <clears throat> um, uh-oh, somebody lost their iPhone. So, so um, welcome. I'm glad to see everybody. Man, you look dapper and, and spectacular with all the spring colors. It's amazing. Finally get to wear my light suit, and it's now Easter, so I can get by with it. I thought it was going to rain. I'd wore my other shoes, but anyway, it'll be all right. So what we're going to talk about today is, it's the Easter story, but we're going to look at it from an analytical standpoint. And I know that's kind of, but look, if you look at the Easter story on an emotional standpoint, I get about 10 minutes in and then I boohoo cry and then I can't finish it. So we have to look at it on an analytical standpoint, right? So if you're old enough to live by yourself, or even, even not, if you're old enough just to have your own money, you have done cost analysis before, right? And maybe you don't think you've done cost analysis before, but you have thought whether or not you needed toilet paper or pizza, right? Have you ever been that broke in college to where you were like, what do I have to have today? Am I eating? Am I getting toilet paper? Am I buying something else? But we do cost analysis on everything. Whether you intentionally or, or think you're doing it or not, you do, right? Every time you go to buy something, hey, is this worth the money? Is this the value that I'm looking for for my money? Especially this day and age, you better be looking for all the value you can find. Um, so we do in a cost analysis of what the cross cost. There you go. I won't say that wrong today, I promise. So what did the cross cost? What did it cost for Jesus to get to the cross? Now we know from last week that when Jesus was coming, when John the Baptist saw Jesus walking by, he said, behold, the Lamb of God has taken away the world's sin, right? We already know that he has been prophesied and last week we talked about the Last Supper and them celebrating the victory before it happened. So we know what's getting ready to take place, but what does it cost? And then when you buy stuff or when you do things or when you make decisions, it costs, right? I mean, if you volunteer to show up and do something, it costs you time and effort and physical strain to show up and do it, right? Regardless of what it is. I mean, those poor folks keeping the nursery right now volunteered and it is costing them time and and strain to make sure that everybody's kid is doing well right but it, everything that we do costs us something right so what did it cost jesus to go to the cross and i got and i told him this morning when in my office early i have way too many scriptures to talk about what we're going to talk about but i'm going to try to get to a bunch of them so jesus Costs were physical, emotional, spiritual, right? And, and in different aspects. So we're going to start with the gospel according to Mark. And, and, and you know, all of the, the gospels have the, 
recollection of what happened in, in, the, in the Holy Week time frame. Well, we're going to start with uh, Gospel According to Mark um, 14. And in, in 14, right, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come, Judas betrays him, kisses him on the cheek, and he asks him, who are you trying to arrest? Have I led a rebellion? What are you doing with swords? And they arrest him, right, and they take him in, and they take him into the Sanhedrin, which was the high Jewish council, right? And they ask him all kinds of questions. Um, so I'm going to start in, with they, they falsely accuse him of all kinds of things, right? So they're assaulting his character, telling him that, you know, he said this and he said that, and they're lying on him. Um, verse 60, then the high priest stood before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is the testimony that these men bring against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. And again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Now he has to answer that question, right? He has to announce that I am. And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting on the right hand of the mighty one coming on the clouds of heaven. And they did not like that at all. Verse 63, the high priest tore his clothes. And why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they condemned him, worthy of death. And some began to spit on him. And they blindfolded him. And they struck him with their fists. And they said, prophesy. So basically they were mocking him as they beat him in the head to, for him to understand, right? Prophesy who's hitting you, Right? Now, to me, that'd be pretty tough, right? Because it doesn't say that he's bound other than he's blindfolded, but maybe he was bound. But I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where people were mocking you and beating you at the same time. But for me, my flesh jumps out way in front of my spirit, and I have a hard time understanding that cost, right? I have the un hard time understanding that I'm being beaten for something that I didn't do or didn't say, and for their misunderstanding, right? So the first cost he paid after he was betrayed, right? He was betrayed in the garden. So his friend, his friend that he picked, that he ministered to, that he had lived with for three years, that he attended to, betrayed him. He was blindfolded, beaten, and spit on. Now I'm going to tell y'all, I love all of y'all, and I will do my absolute best that if it was necessary to help you, that I would be betrayed, blindfolded, beat on, and spit on. I, I, I pray that I would have that strength, that I could do that for you, that I could pay that cost. But he hadn't even really got into the transaction yet. This is the beginning of the beginning, right? So, flip forward to, and, and, and I tried to stay in the same gospel a couple of times to so where we weren't flipping back and forth. So the gospel according to Mark... Uh, chapter 15, and in verse 6. And now is the custom as the, of the festival to release a prisoner, right? And so the Jews had an option for, Pilate came before him and said, we're going to release a prisoner, who do you pick? And, and, and it, the people, the people who had been fed the 5,000, the people who had watched him do miracles, the people who had followed him around and worshipped him, they all had the opportunity to say, Give us Jesus, right? Oh, oh, I mean, I don't think anybody said it, but anybody could have said, no, let us, let us have Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, if you ever got voted on and you get no votes, man, that is pretty tough. So the crowd came up and asked Pilate, <clears throat> no, wait a minute, I'm, I, I skipped one. 
And a man called Barabbas was in prison with insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. And the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. And they did not release the king of the Jews, but they asked to release Barabbas. Verse 12, what shall then I do with the one that they are calling the king of the Jews, Pilate asked. And they responded back, crucify him. So not only did he not get voted for, right? He didn't make prom king. He, he, he didn't make class president or town council or mayor or whatever we were voting on. He got zero votes. Not only did he get zero votes, we don't like him good enough that we ask you to go ahead and kill him. Now I'm going to tell you to be rejected is a very difficult thing. And I dealt with some rejection uh, years ago and it, it's something that still haunts me. Every once in a while I'll get into a funk and then I realize that the spirit of rejection is attacking me. And I go, oh, wait a minute. I know what this is. So he's been beat on, spit on, mocked, and now rejected by the people that he led, that he preached to, that he healed, that he fed, that he had shown love, grace, and kindness, right? He had never done anything. He, he couldn't be any more blameless. But these people not only rejected him, they asked him to kill him, okay? A pretty tough situation if you ask him me. Um, skip down to verse 15 and wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas and he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Now, I always knew Jesus was beaten with a cat of nine tails and flogged, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But I missed that they beat him in the Sanhedrin too. I, I missed that. I didn't know that the so when he gets beaten in distances, right? This flogging here, this comes from heathens right this is from the romans these are not god's people this does not come from god at all the first beating was in the church in the sanhedrin with the religious leaders this is the first beating when they beat him in the head and spit on him and mocked him this time when he's flogged if you don't know what a cat of nine tails is you should google it because it's got some pretty interesting pictures but it had pieces of bone pieces of glass pieces of steel wound into a leather strap that had nine long fingers on it with a wooden handle, right? So if you think about like um, who was Indiana Jones with his whip, right? He's got one little leather thing on the end. This is, this is nine pieces that stick out and it, the handle's only about this long and then the, the, the tentacles of it are longer. And the way that they flogged them when they beat them with a cat of nine tails is when they would lash them, it would stick into their back and then they would pull the handle down and it would rip the flesh from the, from the bone, right? It would bust the skin and the, and the meat off of the bone. And so every time that they beat him, this stuff stuck into his back. And then it was ripped down his back to where it removed the flesh, right? So it left long, bloody stripes. Not like, you know, a whelp, like if you ever got spanked, like... If you ever got spanked and you had like a mark, not a, we're not talking about a mark. We're talking about a place that where the flesh was removed from the body. That it was pools of blood underneath. So he, we, we just get into the good part, right? So he was flogged, right? And led away to be crucified. Um, I think I want to stay right here. Verse 16, and the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, and together in a company of soldiers, they stripped him down and put a purple robe on him, 
and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They actually stabbed it down into his head, right? So if you think, like, ever grab a rose bush or something and you get a little prick in your finger, boy, that should sting a little bit. They scrunched it down into the top of his head. They matted it down into his hair, right? And so as they did, as, as this took place, the blood ran down his face and his, the back of his head and down his ears, right? And it was crunched down onto his head. And I think I've already always overlooked that they stripped him down. Now, I mean, if you're going to humiliate somebody, right? I mean, beating and torturing is one thing. And then stripping them down naked, that's probably a pretty good torture a little bit too, right? And they put this robe on him. And then they made fun of him and said, oh, look, it's the king of the Jews. As they stabbed this thing down in top of his head. Now, this is all the cost that's happened. And we haven't made it to the cross yet. This is the pregame. This is the stuff that took place to fulfill all of those prophecies, to give us all of the things that we want. This is still on his side of the equation, right? So they stabbed this thorny crown down in the top of his head and stuck it down in it, right? I mean, I, I wrecked my bicycle last week, and I got a scratch on the side of my head, and I know it ain't much, and y'all can't see it because it's almost healed. But man, I have whined about it all week. I was riding my bicycle, and, and the front tire went from under me at about 15 miles an hour, and I hit the side of my head and my elbow and my knee, and then I laid on the ground for a minute in the middle of the woods. I didn't hear any turkeys either. I guess I yelled too loud when I hit the ground. I don't know. But it took me all week for this to heal, and it's a little tiny boo-boo. But he got the whole crown of thorns crammed down into his head. And, and, and maybe y'all do, but my bald head, I, I don't have a lot of meat on top of my head, right? So, so it's down to the bone. I mean, it's down to the bone in his head. Okay. So he was led away. Um, and they put the purple robe on him, twisted together the crown of thorns, crammed it on his head, and they began to call out, Hail, King of the Jews, mocking him some more. And again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Now, if you're just getting beat in the head, we've already been beat in the head one time, right, in the Sanhedrin. But now I have this giant crown of thorns jabbed into Jesus' head, and now they're hitting him on top of that with the staff. They're beating it down into his head, right? So if you had like a splinter, and then you kept mashing it deeper and deeper, and deeper and deeper, and again and again they struck him on the head, and falling on their knees they paid homage to him, mocking him, and then they stripped him again and put his clothes on him, and they led him off to be crucified, now, I'm going to tell you, I told y'all earlier, if I had to be blindfolded and hit in the head and spit on, I would do all I could stand. But we have crossed my threshold, right? I don't know what it takes as a human to be able to stand there and be beaten with a cat of nine tails and the flesh ripped off of you. And then the crown of thorns be stabbed on top of your head and then beat on with a stick. See, I would have passed my point. Now, as a mere human, as a physical me... I don't know that I had a lot of choices once you got to there, right? I don't know that I could have fought them hard enough to make them stop doing it. But I didn't have 10,000 legion of angels on top of my, that I could have just stopped it and said, hey, that's enough. I don't want no more, right? Because the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane, he already asked God if there's any other way, let's do that. If there's any other way, if there's any other way that this can be bought out, let's do that. But there is no, there, there is no. He had to go through all, endure all of these costs. And all of these costs equal out. All right. Oh, man. 
he tried toting the cross for a little while, and then another guy came in, uh, a, sire, a man from Siren, uh, Simon, and he helped him tote, a, tote the cross. And they took him to the skull, or Golgotha, and then they offered him some wine mixed with myrrh, and he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes up and cast lots to see who would get what. Now, up until here, it is all physical and emotional. It is the mockery, it's the spitting on, it's the beating. And even now at the crucifixion, it is all physical. And if you're a tough enough dude or you're you know, a man's man's man, you might be able to endure what's taken place so far. But see, Jesus had never been separated from God. Never. The gospel according to John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and was with God, and nothing was created without Him. So as mere humans, as our idea of time, if you go back to beginning of the beginning of the beginning, before God said, let there be light, Jesus was there. Right? And throughout time, He had never been separated from God. Why? Because the way that you become separated of, from God is by sin. And Jesus was holy and blameless. See, that's what made him valuable, right? In this interaction that we're talking about, this cost analysis, they could take Robbie and do all of these things and beat me and torture me and hang me on the cross and do whatever they wanted to, and I couldn't save me. I sure couldn't save you. Because, see, I deserve death and hell. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. Now, I've said this before. I don't believe it is physically possible for Jesus to die without taking the sin on the cross. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. He to live forever. So when we hang him on the cross, and I use the words we and I a bunch, we didn't hang him on the cross. Well, we did, actually. Our sin did hang him on the cross. But when they hung him on the cross, and he took over our sin, all of a sudden, the value of the contract got more valuable. Because in Romans, it says that, you know, maybe somebody might die for a good man, but nobody would be willing to die for a bad guy, right? That's paraphrase. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, came here to die for the world. John 3.16 says that he loved the world, not the church, not the Jews, not the chosen people. He loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. We should have salvation. So for Jesus to be able to become our mediator, to become our substitute, he had to take on all of my sin to the cross. Because if he only took just a little bit of my sin, then it doesn't give me any good. He had to fulfill all of God's wrath on his side of the equation. See, that's how a contract works, right? If you have a contract, you have a list of goods and a list of payment. And if you want the goods, you have to have the payment. So for God to give us eternal life and salvation and forgiveness of our sins, he has to have something on the other side of the equation that equals out to the punishment that I deserve. So while he's hanging on the cross, he takes on our sin. 
Um, let's turn to the gospel according to Matthew. And, and, and look here. Je- Jesus, said, Jesus had never referred to God as God. He's my father. He's my father, right? Because if you were, if you were, um, if you were a Christian and you're part of the body and you've been adopted into the body of Christ, God is our father. But Jesus knew that God was his father. So the gospel according to Matthew uh, chapter 27, verse 45. And from until noon, until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and I won't try to do it in Aramaic, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I believe that during these three hours of darkness was the time it took to download the world's sin into Jesus' body. Right? You just couldn't. It didn't happen. It took time for all of the sin of the world, of the, the past, the present, and the future sin of the entire world to be downloaded onto his body. In these three hours, he hung on the cross in agony, in torture, <clears throat> to wait on us, to wait on our sin to be fully placed on his body. So now, he has died spiritually, because he has been separated from God. So he has been physically abused... He has been mentally abused. He has been emotionally abused. And now, spiritually, he has died. He is not one with God anymore. He is separated from the love of God. Because sin separates us out. And without a substitute, we would continue to be separated. So when he took on our sin on the cross, he was separated from God. And I'll tell you, after he was separated from God spiritually, physically he didn't last very much longer. In fact, the Bible says that he died so quickly that Herod was, I mean, Pilate was impressed or concerned that he died so quickly. They came and asked for his body, and they were like, he's already dead? Can't be. Well, see, he's looking at it on the physical sense. On the spirit, once he took over the spiritual price that he had to pay, was, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine having to pay for your sins? Now look to the person sit beside you and pay for their sins, and then the other side and their sins, and then behind you their sins, and in front of you their sins, and then the people that's outside their sins, the whole town, county, city, state, nation, paying for the sins of the nation, paying for the sins of the continent, all seven continents, the whole world. From the beginning of time to the end of time, he paid for all of it. That's a pretty big deal, right? That's a pretty big contract. Right before this, Jesus says it is finished, right? It is finished. The old covenant, the blood covenant that was made between Abraham and God was finished. There was no more sacrificing sacrifices for the atonement or the covering of the sins. The final sacrifice had finally been made. The bill was almost paid. But it was at a no turning back point. Now, Jesus himself gives us the next one. Matthew Chapter 12. Now, anytime you feel like that you're, you know, a good person or you feel like you're doing good for God, you can insert yourself anytime in this equation and tell me what parts you're willing to take. What part are you willing to pay? Gospel according to Matthew. Oh, man, I lost my place. Uh, verse 12. Chapter, I mean, chapter 12, verse 39. 
And he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, I have people that preach that Jesus didn't go to hell. He said it himself. That he was going to spend three days and three nights in the bottom of the earth. Why? Because just taking my sin to the cross, to death, is just the beginning of my payment. My payment, oh wait a minute, someone who was unsaved, or my payment before I was saved, you get the death part, but the hell and damnation and the torment for eternity comes with it. And this is not a fire and brimstone, this is just facts. The payment for living in a life of sin and death is death and hell. So if you're going to pay my penalty, right, you have to pay my whole penalty. You have to be beaten and tortured and mocked and spit on and crucified and stabbed in the side and be spiritually separated from God and then go to hell. You can't make it from A to B without going to hell. If you did, the contract would be null and void. You cannot have that part of the payment not be cashed in. It would be like paying for most of your car and not the rest. What happens if you pay for most of your car and then you quit paying for it? One of those guys will come with them long rollback trucks and they'll load it right up and take it back to the people you owe the rest of the money to, right? Thank God our salvation is not up to the repo man. We don't have a repo man coming. So to pay my penalty... Death, even death on a cross, right? Then he went to hell for three days and three nights and paid my penalty there too. And then the Holy Spirit went into hell and threw back the gates and death and hell and resurrected Jesus, which is what we're celebrating today. Now, all of that up until right now was his side of the equation. All of that is his payment, his burden, his time, his blood. His stripes, his torture, his torment. I don't have anything in the deal yet. All he did was take my sin. I don't have anything in the deal yet. Now, once we get to that part of the equation, right? Once we get to here, us sinful people say, now what's in it for me? Because that's the contract, right? The contract is between man and God, and Jesus is just a mediator. Holy moly. So what's in it for me? Well, let's talk about what's in it for me. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 10 that if I believe in my heart and say with my mouth that Jesus was the Son of God and he died for my sins, that I will be saved. Right? And once I am saved, once my part of the, once I write my name on the contract, once I get to my side of the equation and I accept Jesus into my heart, then I have a whole lot of benefits that he paid for. Right? I didn't have those benefits until I stepped up and did my part, right? Have you ever been to a closing to where you're buying a house and they go sign here or car, sign here, sign here, sign here, and you know, I just sit there and sign papers as long as they keep putting what is this for? Okay, great. That, that's really all we do in salvation is we just show up and sign our name on the Lamb's Book of Life because we accept Jesus into our heart. And then we go, now what do we get? Oh, what do we get? Well, what we get is pretty special. I can't go to all of them. We get eternal life. 
John 3, 16, for the, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that the world would be saved. We get abundant life. John 10 and 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you have life and you have it more abundantly. That's pretty good, right? If it stopped right there, you're a dummy not to take the deal. If it's just that, if it's just salvation, and if it's just abundant life, I'll take that. I'll deal with everything else. And unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who live their life according to just that. But there's more. Um, turn with me. I'm running out of time quickly. Turn with me to, to, to the book of Romans. And your homework is going to be, you've got to read the rest of this chapter. Everybody's got homework this week. I don't care if you've got other homework at class or school or job or whatever. We're we, we going to read homework this week. You need to read and understand the entire chapter of Romans 8. Well, Romans 8 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For what the law of sin and death failed to do, the sacrifice of Christ fulfilled. Right? So no condemnation. Adoptionship. Adoptionship? Adoption into the body. That we become a son or daughter of Christ, of God, through Christ, right? That he is the first one, and we are the one of many. Um, man, children of God. Uh, verse 28, and we know that all things, all things God works for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose. Um, verse 37, now in all things we are more than conquerors. It, it, it just, uh, just Romans 8. If you just got the understanding of who you are based on Romans 8. If you can read and understand what Jesus gave you when he, find, when he finalized his side of the contract. Unbelievable. Um, healing. 1 Peter 2.24. By his stripes we were healed. Those lashes and beatings and sickness and disease that he took to the cross gave me my healing. Here again, if you go back to just salvation and abundant life, you're a dummy not to take the deal. But if you're going to take the deal, then we are more than conquerors. We're redeemed from the curse. We are blessed going in. We are blessed coming out. We are healed. We are set free from condemnation. <clears throat> and the last one, we are inseparable from God. See, Jesus was separable from God. When he took on the, the, the sin, he was separated from God. But because he paid my penalty and your penalty, we now become the righteousness of God that we are inseparable from God. In fact, the Bible says, what would separate us from the love of Christ? Is it depth? Is it length? Is it width? Is it powers on this planet? Is it rulers in high places? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So once we sign our part of the contract, once we write our name in the Lamb's Book of Life by accepting Jesus as our personal Savior, all of these benefits come to you. And for nothing that you've done other than show up and write your name down. Yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe he died for my sins. Yes, I accept him as my personal Savior. And it seems kind of simple, right? And Granddaddy used to say, well, praise God it was because if it was hard, a dummy like me would never make it. He didn't come here to make it hard. He come here to pay the entire price of the contract. The physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the suffer, the suffer in hell, to be beaten, to be mocked, to be spit on. 
by the same very people that he had fed, that he had healed, that he had loved, that he had spent time with. What, does the what is the cost of the cross? It is unfathomable what it costs to see us. To see the cross, it is unfathomable to think about being separated from God, to being sent to hell, to being in that agonizing, ongoing, harassing place. And if you ever, if you never read it, there's a couple of really good books. I think it's like 23 minutes in hell or whatever. I've read it. I don't remember how many minutes it is. It's some kind of minutes. But in that book, they talk about the, the stench and, and the agony and the hopelessness and the torture and the physical abuse. It is gut-wrenching. That guy was there for 23 minutes. I think it's, 20, it's 23 minutes, isn't it? Does anybody know? Is it 23 minutes? We don't know. Some minutes in hell. One minute is too much for me. I don't want it. Jesus spent three days and three nights paying my penalty, paying your penalty. And I'm going to tell you, if you're standing on the outside of the conversation, risking every day of your life to walk outside or stay inside, risking your physical life every time you get in a car, every time you go anywhere, without Jesus in your heart, you are much braver than I am. Because I am chicken little when it comes to it. Because my soul and my eternity is so valuable to me, there's no way I would walk around without Jesus in my heart. So how much did it cost? Well, it cost a bunch. How easy is it for us to cash it in? Oh, it's pretty easy. Be a good day to do it. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we, God, we just thank you and praise you for everything that you've done for us, Father. We thank you for your salvation and your grace and your love. Father, we pray now that if anybody, anybody doesn't have you in your, your heart, Father, that they will find a way today. They will come up and get prayed for, Father. They will search you out. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.